I have to say that today I am greatly, I should say I'm glad to have been able to go out to Walker Creek yesterday to drive there, take mail. I had never been there before. It's a beautiful area, beautiful location, and got a chance to go there and like, wow, we live really in a wonderful place. We really live in a beautiful part of the world. And I encourage you, I used to have a motorcycle, and I used to drive that motorcycle all in the back roads, didn't, didn't go there. Used to speed on my motorcycle. <laughs> Sometimes I would speed. I didn't have a cruise control on my motorcycle, <laughs> so I, couldn't, I didn't always know what the speed limit was. So. <laughs> but we live in a beautiful area. I would oftentimes have to drive that way in the morning going out D Street and, and the back way to Nicasio, but never been there. I just encourage you just to go take a drive. If you've never been out in the back roads, just go drive there. Enjoy what you have in this area. The Lord made a beautiful world, and I encourage you to j- enjoy the world that the Lord has made. Today I'm going to be preaching from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 24. I was pleasantly surprised today when I drove up, or I was already here and I went to go pick up someone and came back, I saw a black Toyota Camry in the parking lot. And I had to rub my eyes. I have two witnesses, Sister Bridget and her mother, Sister Beth, that Rhonda was in the parking lot at 10 minutes to 11. Women, you have my permission to go to Walker Creek every week. Please. Every week. Go to Walker Creek. (laughs) <laughs> we will be sure to get Rhonda here at 10 minutes to the... I love Rhonda. She know I give her a hard time. My friend. Would you stand with me, please? Today, Lord, we are in this place recognizing that we live in a world that has gone crazy. Taking lives killing without regard that life comes from the Lord and that you are going to hold people accountable. You will hold crooked cops as well as crooked citizens responsible for how they live. Every cop is not bad. We need to stop demonizing cops. Lord, help us to recognize and to remember That they are here under the auspices of the Almighty God. They have a job to do. May they do it with diligence. And may we give proper honor and respect to those in authority. Things are not going right. May we take the right measure and not the laws into our own hands. Convict those, Lord, who are doing wrong. By your mighty word. Bring us to a place of repentance. 
My God, my God, would you help us today? As we delve into the word of God, we pray that you will be uh, with us. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in this time. Bless the body of Christ. We thank you for our dear friend, Sister Connie, who is in the habit of surprising people. (laughs) We thank you for her. And when she does head back, give her in jail traveling mercy. Thank you, Lord, for salvation, for saving souls, and for adding to the the kingdom of God. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for, Lord, what you did for Tamara, coming back and being able to now go see her son. Thank you for that, Lord, showing that you are in control and that you love us beyond measure. Oh, my God. We honor your name today, and we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, beginning at verse 16. I want to thank you all for being here today. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 16. I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And this is what it says. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, Matthew eleven sixteen through 24. I'm sorry, I saw 16, but I was in chapter 10. Thank you. Matthew eleven sixteen. 16. Thank the Lord that we got saints with their Bibles. Hallelujah. That when I am in the wrong place, you will let me know. But to what shall I compare this generation? Matthew eleven sixteen. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates, We play the flute for you and you did not dance. We sing a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. As a title, you may write this down. When Jesus won't cooperate 
with the plans I have for him. When Jesus won't cooperate with the plans I have for him. Let me just give you a few points before I jump into point one. In in verse 19, just want you to note that. When it says the Son of Man, there are normally three um, times... There are three times, I should say, outside of the Gospels, three times, that the name Son of Man is used. Now, the Gospel, it's several times, but three times outside of the Gospels. Now, there are generally three ways in which this title is used, according to Dr. R.C. Pro. Three general ways in which when you hear the term or the title, Son of Man. Number one, it can refer to mankind or human beings. Mankind or human beings. You'll find that in Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 it mentions it. But about 90 times in Ezekiel that term son of man is used. Referring to humankind. The second time or way in which it is used. The title is used when Jesus is speaking of his suffering. His death. And his resurrection. Son of Man. His suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And the reference for that path for that is found in Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. Then the third time, it can refer to what we call the apocalyptic. In other words, the Son of Man, when he appears in judgment, at the end times, Son of Man is often used and reference for that could be would be Matthew chapter 24 verse 30 as well as chapter 26 of Matthew verse 64 now now let me say this Jesus said son of man it seemed to be at a time when his messiahship well it was always being questioned and when Peter had acknowledged that you are the Christ the son of God Flesh and blood, Peter, has not revealed that to you. That was revealed by the Holy Spirit. And then you'll notice thereafter that Jesus begins to call himself the Son of Man, as if he didn't want people to know that he was the Messiah. Not that he had not made that clear, not that he had not done miracles. He had done all these things that showed who he was. The term son of man, a son of man, it stems back to the passage from Daniel. Chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, where one like a son of man appears before what's called the ancient of days and receives world dominion and worship. The ancient of days, a name for God Almighty. Do you not know that Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the one that suffered. He died and rose from the dead because of not his sin, but because of our sins. We need to understand that Jesus does not have to cooperate with the plans that we have for him. And in fact, he oftentimes just violates your plans. He, he oftentimes will just mess up your plans because your plans don't meet the standard. Point number one, 
Jesus the observer. Jesus the observer. I'll be looking, taking that from Matthew eleven sixteen through 19. Now I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus notices things. And it is interesting to note that he often makes note of what he sees when he teaches or preaches. Jesus must have taken time. He must have stopped when he mentioned the children. He must have taken time to observe children on more than one occasion. He must have stopped to observe how they play. Because this is the reference that he used when he's talking to the people and the leaders. Just like children. I can imagine that as Jesus is watching the children play, that he's looking at them with a smile on his face. Have you ever watched children? And you just kind of just smile as you look at them. Look at this. They're just having a wonderful time. And you got a big smile on your face, and you're not even out there. You're just watching them with a smile looking at the children. It's wonderful to be a child. Those little puffy kids, when they can't walk all big, and all of a sudden you see them running all around, and all that body fat begins to go wild. They began to burn off the engine, just running, just looking at them. I recall the first day my daughter began to walk. We went to, we were, were on our way to take pictures, and we got to Sears. And that little girl just got up and started walking across the floor. Where did that come from? Never forget it. And we were just amazed. Most of you can remember when your child, if you have children, began to walk. It brought a smile and joy to your face. It's interesting and fascinating fascinating that Jesus places a high value on children, but society does not. Society does not place a high value on children. You might think they do. Abortion is used as a means to get votes in government. It is used as a vote often for the woman. The culture that says we value our children, but in actuality, in this matter, they really value the woman, not the child. Two, when the culture says that discipline should never at times involve spanking, or what is commonly referred, for, referred to as corporal punishment. Children are again not being valued, but really the opinion of adults. And so children are placed at risk of running wild when early correction is really needed in their lives. And so society puts up these laws and says, we love our children. Don't touch them. We love our children. Go bring and build more jails for them now because we can't control them. When children are taught in school how to properly use a condom and then taken to Planned Parenthood for birth control, children are not being protected nor valued. But adults' rejection of God's values are on full display. When prayer in school and in many public venues, is seen as an offense and a danger to children, it is no wonder that laws are ordered to be put into place to protect us from the laws we just made. Jesus 
is an observer of children. And not only did Jesus observe children, but he also observed the behavior of the adults that were there at the time. Our society is backwards. Our society tells you things and wants you to go along with their program, and they're heading in the wrong direction. And somehow we say Jesus is not cooperating with the plans I have for him. Thank God he doesn't cooperate with our plans. My goodness, what would this world be if he got on a bandwagon with us and started riding down the road with us? Don't know where we're going. Come on, Jesus. Follow me. So, Lord, let me go with that nut and find out where they're going to get them out of the trouble they're about to get themselves into. When Jesus will not cooperate with the plans you have for him, then people decide that they don't like him all the more and don't want to be around him. Some people try to serve God out of convenience. But Jesus cannot be served out of convenience. If you want convenience, go to 7-Eleven. That's the convenience store. (laughs) When something is needed, no longer do people try to find their way to the church as they used to. They'll send messages to it by another person saying, have the person in church pray for me. I can't be there. Back in the day when something happened, people knew how to make their way to the church. They said, I I, got to get to the church. One person that that, that I don't know personally, I've met him. This person told someone, I need to go to the church, to the church, because my blessings are running out. He was running short on blessings. He thought, I better get to the church. When the children were playing, and Jesus says in verse number 16, what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played for you and you didn't dance. And we, we sang a dirge for you, which was a song of mourning, which included those beating their breasts as if you all were, were, they watched the adults and this person is gone to a funeral and they're looking at this and you wouldn't play along with us in our game. This is what Jesus says. How can, what can I compare this generation to? Here, John being accused of having a demon because of a lifestyle of denial that he lived. And here comes Jesus on the scene, happy and enjoying the company of people and saying, he has a, he, he's a glutton and a friend of drunkards. Look at him. He needs to be stoned. And here they are accusing Jesus. And they are the ones who are in, were in opposition to God's law. So we have John on one side of the spectrum, and we then have Jesus on the other side. And the religious leaders, and the people won't accept either. And then they have the nerve to complain. You know, there are some people that you, it doesn't make a difference what you do for them. They're going to complain. They're going to complain. I don't care what you do. They're going to complain. Please don't ask them. Please don't ask them how their day is going. Oh, no, 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 unless you plan to be there for a long time. Everything is bad. And if you see them coming wrong because you see there's a cloud 
over their head. A rain cloud following them. Oh, here they come. I'm going. Every day is down and never up. How you doing today? Well, let me say this. It could be better, but do you ever have a good day? Well, Jesus observes and he makes notes about what he sees, and if and if he puts it out there and he and he compares what he sees, we ought to take note about what Jesus sees and what Jesus does. Jesus is an observer. You might think that some people ain't paying attention, but they're looking. There's some people that don't miss anything. You think, no, they didn't notice anything. And lo and behold, they caught everything you said and did. And you are shocked. You said, I said, I said, I did what? I said what? No, I didn't say it. Oh, yes, you did. This is when you said it, and this was the time you said it. And you don't even remember some of the stuff you said and did. There are some people observing. And so Jesus, as he is faced with this generation, uses this comparison. Just like little children. Who say, we did this for you and you wouldn't play. And we did that and you wouldn't play. There was nothing that could be done that would get this group to accept. And point number two, I'll move it on. My time is far spent. Judgment for the unrepentant. Judgment for the unrepentant. That's Matthew eleven twenty through 24. I want you to take a look at something here. Matthew 11, verse 20 says this. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. The message of the gospel is repent. The message that John the Baptist and Jesus brought was repent. Why? Because we need a savior. You cannot be saved without the Savior. When you look at the, even the parables that Jesus gave, most of the parables, their focus, our interest, deals with the kingdom of heaven. The focus of many of the parables, the issue is the kingdom of heaven, and then what is God like? Jesus was the most popular man on the scene. There were crowds that mobbed him. When he would walk down the street, people would see Jesus coming and run after him. There's Jesus. If Michael Jackson was walking down the street, oh, not now. But if he in the day was walking down the street, I know some of y'all would slam on your car brake. In fact, some of y'all wouldn't even put the car in park before you'd be out the car trying to get an autograph. Let one of your popular movie stars go walking down the street and look at your face light up. They're such a, I, I, I got happy. I, I, I know some movie stars, and I really do. And, and I, you know, you're, you kind of get pro. Well, I, I, I was in the class with such and such a person, you know. That's who we are, you know. Um, you had the uh, person that played on uh, 90210. That was a uh, person was in my class. 
Oh, I went to school with such and such. Ah, I got his phone number right here. Here he is. You want to call him? I'll call him right now. You can t- Popularity. Throngs of people, many people, claim, just clamoring to be around Jesus because of what he was doing. The miracles, all that he did, people were running. They were bringing people throughout the day. There were times when the disciples didn't have time to eat. Jesus couldn't even get away. And so when the crowd would oftentimes leave late at night, Jesus would steal away to the mountains to go pray because he needed to have some quiet, some quiet time with his father. You see, you really can't serve God out of convenience. There were people that wanted to touch his clothes. If only I can just touch him. There were people that brought people from Far distances, the sick. Then there were those that were in the near villages that came out to listen to him and, and followed him along the way. He's going to feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, just men, besides women and children. The estimate could be as many as 10, 15, 20,000 people. Then on another occasion, 4,000 men, besides women and children. Take two fish, five loaves of bread, the next a few fish. Seven loaves and feed multitudes. People are clamoring to be around him. But there is no repentance. His preaching and his teaching is something the people had never heard before. He's like no other person. He doesn't quote other philosophers. He doesn't quote other people in the Bible. He's a standard all unto himself. There's nobody like him, but there is no repentance. Hmm. And then Jesus begins to denounce the cities because they would not repent. Let let me say this. It's going to be a sad day for many people around the world who go to church and have never really repented of their sins. When we think of the precious gift that we now have, a sad day. When we look at the names that Jesus begins to mention as he talks about the generation here, he says, Woe to you, verse 21, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. Now, what was Tyre and Sidon? In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah and Ezekiel, Tyre and Sidon were Phoenician um, cities. In fact, they were Phoenician ports. Very profitable, very well known. But they were also known for their evil. Even when you think about Babylon, the Lord said to them, uh, you are going to be brought low. I'm going to bring judgment on you. Go ahead and execute the judgment on my people. But know and behold this. You went beyond what you should have done. The Lord says, Chorazin and Bethsaida in the day of judgment will receive a more severe penalty than Tyre and Sidon. Tyre was about 35 miles from Galilee and Sidon about 60, I believe it is. And what's the issue? Chorazin and 
where people don't quite didn't quite maybe know exactly where it was, but it's believed to be in just a couple of miles from the Sea of Galilee. Because it was the area where Jesus did most of his work. Most of the things that he did, he said, you are without excuse because the very scriptures pointed to me and you have now rejected me. So in the day of judgment, Tyre and Sidon will be judged. But you, and even though you didn't do the types of deeds they did, your penalty is more because you have now had more truth revealed to you. Do you not know that all judgment is not necessarily the degree based on just the acts a person has done, but it will be based on the knowledge and what you have available to you? That's why many people who don't go to church will be held responsible because they could have been. They will be held responsible. Remember, judgment of God is not cruel. It will be in proportion to his righteousness. When the Lord mentions Capernaum, Jesus moved from Nazareth and he moved to Capernaum. And Capernaum saw most of his miracles. They were done there or in the surrounding areas and they would not turn to him. And so Jesus says, even Sodom. Y'all remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? The Lord says, even Sodom, if the works that are happening now had been done there, the city would have been spared. The area would have been spared. So Capernaum, don't think you're going to get away. Don't think you're going to be lifted up to heaven. Sodom is going to be in a more favorable place than you. And Sodom in the Old Testament, excuse me, is used as the symbol as the most vile or the vilest type of crime and evil. The Lord says, no, Capernaum, your consequence is going to be more than that. As I bring this to a close, when we consider those that have been exposed to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we consider those that have had their, their exposure to the King of glory, and those that have been in the very presence of the Lord, and said, we don't like him. He eats with sinners. <laughs> he, he eats with drunkards. He hangs out with those that we can't stand. And according to our law and our customs, Jesus, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so, well, what happens when Jesus won't cooperate with the plans that you have set for him? <laughs> have you set some plans for Jesus? How many of you are upset with Jesus because your plans, he didn't meet your plans, and your conditions? How, how many of you are, are, are saying, if only the Lord didn't allow this to come into my life, I would have made a different choice. Judgment for the unrepentant. I, I, I'll say this. When we consider the love and the mercy of God, Jesus, when he first came, did not come as judge. He came as a savior. He came loving people. But Jesus is coming back as the judge. And, and I think one of the things that people have, have mistaken in today's world is that they have mistaken time for forgiveness. They have looked at time as a way to say that since nothing has happened, Nothing is going to happen. Therefore, we are okay with God. How is it 
that one could live outside of the Lord and then be automatically just welcomed in into the kingdom and they've never served him. You see, Capernaum, Chorazin, Bethsaida, that, that these towns thought they were okay. But Jesus says, you stand condemned because they would not repent. You see, repentance means that I change what I do. I change the course that I'm heading down and go the other way. So when we refuse to accept the truth that we have and make excuses because, oh, I just don't do that. And the truth is staring us in the face. We're going to be held accountable for that. Judgment for the unrepentant. I'll say this. It is interesting in the final conclusion here that Jesus, when he says, if the mighty works, in verse number 21, done in you had been done, he just says the mighty works, the miracles, the signs, the authority that had been given to him. If, if just the works that were done had been done in these places, the miracles stand all alone by themselves. Now get this. When Jesus taught people and preached and then healed, you've got the full measure. You've got the teaching of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus, and then on top of it, you have the healing, and he's still rejected. What more could people want? There's nothing that remains. There's no alternative. There's no, okay, we, we, need, we need something else. They're not responding. What's another message we can give them? There is no other message. Salvation is found in no other. But Jesus Christ alone He is the king of glory. Stand to your feet. When Jesus won't cooperate with the plans you have for him, what do you do? Do you say, that's okay, Lord, I'm going to follow your plans. That's what we need to say. Lord, I'm going to just follow your plans. If you've been following your own plans, you need to give them up. They're not working. Give up your plans for Jesus. And if you're following him, I know some of you are. Then with all your might, carry on. If there's areas in your life to where you know the enemy has a stronghold, give it up. If there's an area to where you say, no, Lord, no, 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 no. This area you got to come along with me on. I'm not giving this up. No, no. Jesus takes the whole pack. He takes all of you. None of you is off limits to him. It shouldn't be. Lord, we pray today that you will help us to have ears and feet to do the will of God. Ears to hear and feet to carry out the word of the Lord. Help us to give up our plans for yours. Help us to stop buying into the lie of society that everything's okay. It is not Jesus is coming back as judge. And Lord, we pray today that you will help us to remember that we serve a God who loves us. And when we think about your righteousness, we think about how you came and, and you, you 
perform miracles you preached and taught. Help us, Lord, to know that we stand as a blessed people. We stand, Lord, repenting of our sins today. We don't want to be like, Lord, the cities in which, Lord, you began to denounce them. But we say, Lord, would you have mercy on us? And as this church, as this body, as this congregation, we stand, Lord, saying, no, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. We thank you. We love you. We glory in you. And, Lord, in the areas of our lives where we are still holding on tightly, that you are trying to open up for us that your will be done. Help us to relinquish that, which is not honoring to you, to relinquish everything into your capable hands. Now, as we leave this place today, guard the word that has been preached. May the enemy not swoop down and steal the seed. May the seed, Lord, be uh, planted in fertile ground that it will produce. We honor you in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you.